Welcome back to the Knicks Wall at the Buzzer podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with Dean to talk about the Knicks' 113-99 loss against the Denver Nuggets, where the Knicks had a fake comeback at the end that made the win look the loss look a lot better than in actuality, where they're up by, down by about 30 in about the fourth quarter. Dean, do you have any takeaways from this loss? I've got plenty of takeaways. Um, the effort was the biggest issue. I felt like last year there were times where the Knicks played uh, hard but not smart, but that still got them pretty far. And I think the game plan defensively still isn't smart, and they're also not playing nearly as hard. And I think that that's really starting to crush the Knicks because um, you know what they're doing when the opponent drives, we're helping off from the corners, just confusing all kinds of rotations, leaving shooters open in the corners on the wings. Uh, our centers are playing a drop that's causing – guys like Jokic and Zeke Naji and Vucevic and Miles Turner uh, to have these big games on us and not making up for it on the offensive end. Uh, Randall was nine for 18 tonight, but um, a little bit of that came in garbage time. And I like that he played in garbage time. Um, I like that he played next to Obi a little bit in garbage time to try to develop something there. And hopefully that'll make Tibbs more comfortable with it going forward. But uh, going back to the start of the game, you could just tell. You could just tell that it wasn't going to be their night. Um, they would get a little bit of something going on offense. It was a nice start for R.J. Barrett. Um, I don't know if he was still feeling sick, and that's why he only played 24 minutes. But the Knicks defense just wasn't working, and they were trailing consistently by 8 points, 10 points. Um, in the second quarter, it was a little more back and forth, and they made it a little closer, but um, I, I just never felt too confident. They trailed at 11 at the half, trailed by 11 at the half, and uh, I don't know, what did you think uh, went right, went wrong? Yeah, like you were saying, the defensive rotations and defensive coverage was not great today. I know Tibbs made the um, lineup changes for help with size, and it does help when we're able to get those switches and not be completely overpowered in a lot of matchups, but you know, our size isn't going to make up for uh, a lack of intensity and lack of effort. You know, Tib says we're supposed to play for uh, 48 minutes, and I don't even know how many minutes the Knicks played for this game. Um, maybe it was 20. They were playing about the same effort as the, the Nuggets, but for the rest of the time, even when the Knicks were playing well, you could still see that the, the Nuggets were, had the same edge to the matches and our intensity. Um, yeah, like touching back on the, the first half, I think R.J. Barrett played well. He took the right shots. They're just still not falling. Um, he's able still to still get to the basket um, for the most part, but you know, some of his finishes are kind of off at the moment. He still kind of struggles with that floater a little bit. Wish he could get be a little more consistent in those regards, but um, I feel like we started out the game okay. You can still see we need a little more playmaking, a little more intensity from our starting guard trio. That's the, kind of one of the downsides of starting Alec Burks, the point guard. Julius Randle really runs the office for most of the time, and at times when his game isn't as up to par, you can kind of see that the team is kind of struggling. Do you have any takeaways from Julius Randle's game today? 
So I didn't love some of his body language on defense, um, but of course it's a team thing and it's a scheme thing and it's not all on him when shooters are wide open, but there were a few instances when I thought that it was on him. And uh, especially in the third quarter, you know, the Knicks were start, they started off down 11 and eventually they're down 24, they're down 26. And the only change Tibbs has made is Nerlens Noel coming in for Mitchell Robinson. And I just don't think that that makes a big enough difference. I just don't really understand um, the leaving the starters in when they start to get crushed. I understand trying to have them like build more chemistry up together, but I think you also need to jumpstart the system, like take them all out and then bring them all back in or take them all out and start sprinkling guys back in or start mixing and matching so that like, you don't want five guys on the court who you, if they know we're not going to come out right now, we have another five minutes to try to turn it around and maybe play a little better. They're not going to have as much urgency because they feel so comfortable with this rigid rotation. And I think, I think there should always be the threat that you could come out of the game at any moment. I think if you didn't watch a team coached by Tibbs over the, the full course of the season, just based on his reputation alone, you would be thinking, oh, if somebody messes up, he pulls them right out of the game. But that's only ever really applied to like guys like Obi in their first year, a little bit of that this year, uh, just, just really with young guys. So I don't think that Tibbs is holding the guys accountable the way that you would expect him to. Um, and I think that it's it's contributed to this effort problem. Yeah, talking about effort, I mean, I think you kind of do see that moments where he kind of pulls someone like he'll have he'll be frustrated with a Fournier, but I don't say favorites, but you can still when Tibbs has a little a lot more trust in players to you know correct those in game actions, especially like Obi. You know, sometimes he's frustrated with Mitchell Robinson, but like um, Alec Burks, I feel like he gives him a, a pretty long leash. Don't really see him get mad at him. You see him get mad at RJ sometimes. I even play him in the fourth quarter, but you know it's it's tough because you try to critique, you know, Mitch's no, I mean Tibbs's uh, you know, lineups and stuff like that. But you know, a lot of times it it does come down to the players. The players have to play better, and you know, if Randall isn't playing well a game, you know, you hope that Obi can, you know, usually I mean usually Obi's playing better, uh, playing with a lot of more energy, but that that might not always lead to you know, better effort from the rest of the team. But um, like you were saying earlier, I want, I want to retake that because my, my train of thought just, just left me. Wait, what was your point again? We're talking about lineups. I was just bitching. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying that I think that like when the effort starts to stall, um, I don't, I don't, I don't see a concerted effort to turn it around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if okay, the starter, I got, I got, I got, I'll start, I'll start, I'll start it back up. I'll keep, I'll keep it short, and then, okay, uh, I'll turn to uh, the third quarter. Yeah, so I agree. Um, I think at times Tibbs has shown the the willingness to kind of bench guys. Like you've seen, um, him kind of get mad at Fournier, and at times he'll keep Mitch out or keep um RJ out in the fourth quarters but like I mean you see like times with Julius Randle is having the best game and Tri- Tibbs doesn't have that trust in a lot of other players like Randall um a lot of times he'll have trust in Burks when even when Burks is having a good shooting night he'll still keep him out there but yeah sometimes you try to correct Tibbs's lineups and stuff like that but you know all a lot of times it comes it just comes down to the players playing better and you know you hope that Tibbs can make those right adjustments but 
you know, the players have to come out with that intensity and, you know, play up to their level of competition. Uh, just looking towards that third quarter, that's where I really think they, things got out of, out of hand. Um, you could see that, you know, Zeke Naji had an amazing game. You know, our rotations on him and closing out was not the best. You know, um, I feel going to blame um, Randall for closing out. Um, I think a lot of it was on him, but at the same time, we have to be sharper as a team. Um, any takeaways you have from that third quarter where everything kind of started to fall apart? I think that I went numb at one point because I can't even I can't even think of exactly what was happening. I was just looking at my laptop screen, uh, watching MSG go, and it was buffering, and I was sad, and I just don't even know what to say. Yeah, so, it was so it, it was really bad. Kind of burned together at a point. Just a lot of points, a lot of threes that we're not defending is was tough to watch. Yeah, um, on the three-point defense, the the Nuggets had their season high from the three-point line. Nuggets went 20 of 43 from downtown. The Knicks went 12 of 40. But that's not like you might think if you're box score watching that, oh, they shot a similar amount of threes and one team was making them, the other team wasn't. There was a big difference in the quality of shots of those threes. The Nuggets were getting some really good wide-open rhythm looks. And um, the Knicks just didn't have – they didn't have the offense flowing the way that you would need to beat a good smart team like the Nuggets. Like, as you can see, even once it was garbage time, the Nuggets were still running their offense. They were still on a string. They communicated really well. Like we said uh, at the end of our last episode, you know, Mike Malone teams, they play like this. They play really hard. They play smart. They have a system. They stick to it. And, you know, like let, adding Zeke Najee to this list of guys that are going to have career nights, career high 21 points, it's tough, but it's kind of predictable. He's a stretch big, and our defense isn't really designed to stop stretch bigs. Uh, Monte Morris made some tough shots. He's a very solid, dependable guard. Compazzo got in on the action. Aaron Gordon only took four shots. Side note, I haven't been super impressed with Aaron Gordon anytime I've watched him this season. But I digress. Will Barton did some stuff. And... For the Knicks, like we were saying before we started recording, there was really not a bright spot. Uh, every other game this year, even in the losses, I felt like you could point to someone that played well. But Obi was two for eight, and Quentin Grimes went two for four from three in garbage time, and he was a team best plus nine. But that's you know that's garbage time. Everyone seemed to struggle. It was a very rough game for Mitchell Robinson, I think, and. Actually, I want to I want to give a little shout out to Fournier. I thought Fournier played hard. I thought, um, you know, his sidestep three really looks good. I I would love to know what percentage he shoots on threes when he does the fake sidestep, put it up. Uh, it seems like that's an automatic shot for him, and also a really rough game for quickly one for seven from the field. Like you were saying, I don't really feel like any Nick had a superb game. I feel like you're saying Evan Fournier some sidestep threes feels pretty automatic. He's like leaning where there's right, leaning left. Um, you feel pretty comfortable whenever he's taking off the dribble three. Um, Derek Rose, another solid night off the bench, but you know, when the bench isn't playing great, um, you know, Derek Rose doesn't shine as much when he can't lead the rest of the team on those runs. Um, Nerlens Noel, I I'm indifferent on him, to say the least. Uh, I know he makes those kind of splash plays on defense, but when he's not fully engaged or making that defensive impact. He gives you nothing on offense. 
Uh, I know he scored five points this game, um, but got to the line a little bit. Uh, shot three or four from the line, but you know it's it's rough when he's out there. I feel like a lot of those like tipping opportunities that Taj Gibson would give you, um, being active on the glass, um, being the actual person who's you know functional on offense and solid on defense for the most part, um, it's lacking. And you know I hope that it's a game like this where Tibbs, I mean, you know, um. Nerlens isn't playing well. That Tibbs can, you know, give Taj some time to see if he can change anything up, especially when the the lead is kind of slipping, or I mean, the lead that other team is giving is increasing, or I mean, even the lead is slipping. That you know, we can, you know, give a switch to the to our defensive and office offensive coverages, but you know, it's rough when um, you know Nerlens isn't giving that impact. That I mean, even last year when he was probably one of the best defensive bigs in the league, you know. I know we might be dealing with injuries at this point or slowly dealing with injuries and trying to get back in fully, fully best shape, but you know, it's rough. Um, any other takeaways that you have from this game? Well, I wanted to mention that I'm um, seeing this tweet from uh, the athletics, Fred Katz, which says Tom Thibodeau said in his post-game press conference that quote, there may be more changes coming end quote, but he did not specify what doesn't necessarily necessarily mean lineup changes could mean schematic stuff too but it's something to watch for so do we want to wildly speculate as to what tibbs might be changing um that's that's I have a feeling that it could be rj to the bench that would I mean, hurt RJ, rj's been the guy that he's been the the toughest on i think benching him for fourth quarters i don't think rj was the problem tonight i mean he, he was missing shots, but in the first half when the starters were competitive, I thought RJ was good. Um, I, I hope I hope it's like Nerlens to the bench and Taj gets some more time, but it's it's probably like Derek Rose starting. That's probably the most likely. Yeah, I think Burks had no assists, so Tibbs could see that and decide to start Rose. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's... It's crazy that Jericho Sims could play so well in that game that he played in and then just not be in the rotation. So maybe he's fed up with Nerlens. Maybe it's Jericho Sims, but I couldn't see Jericho Sims coming into the rotation before Taj. So I don't even know how to speculate. Maybe uh, Kevin Knox is ready to be dusted off. <laughs> I, I love, love when Kevin Knox from, in the game. I was so happy he was in the game. I must have tweeted seven times about it. He touched the ball one time. He hit a three. I feel like he has a little bit to produce, but I know people probably do not like Kevin Knox. So, you know, I just think probably... he only he can only he should only be playing at the four, and we have Randall and Obi playing at the four. So yeah. on, on this team, I don't think so. But like you're telling me, OKC couldn't use Kevin Knox me? down seventy three. They couldn't use Kevin Knox playing, <laughs> playing some Darius Baisley minutes. Darius Baisley, I had him in fantasy for a little while. How does this dude always play like thirty four minutes and take three shots from the field? Yeah, His I, I, year, I thought he was really promising, but he uh, seems to disappear. Yeah, for sure. Kevin Knox could definitely help those kind of lottery teams. You know, he still has a, a consistent shot for the most part and kind of can drop to the basket when he gets in rhythm and, you know, hopefully drop, get contact. But looking towards these next upcoming games for the Knicks, they play three teams that are below 500 at the moment. The Knicks are on a, a three-game skid, so these next three games are going to be pretty important. The Knicks play the... San Antonio, San Antonio Spurs. Then they play the um, Indiana Pacers on a back-to-back. 
And then after that, they play the Toronto Raptors. So those are three big games that we're going to have to play with intensity. Or if we lose those games, we could be not looking good on the season. Dean, uh, any games that you're looking towards in that? Yeah, so I'm seeing Spurs and Pacers on a back-to-back, like you said, and then the Raptors on December 10th. And those are really big three games because on December 12th, the Knicks have Milwaukee. Oh, no, and it's at 12 p.m. Oof. I'm not feeling great about the matinees right game. now. That's, that's going to be tough. <laughs> that's the 12 p.m. game. Um, or that, that could be on my Texas time. Maybe that's a 1 p.m. But anyway, um, December 14th, they got the Warriors. And then December 16th, they got the hottest team in the NBA, the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets' five-game winning streak is the longest in the league at this moment after Golden State snapped the Sun streak. I mean, they already beat, it, they already beat us this season already, so you never know. Yeah. And um, what I'm... I mean, look, I'm not worried, but uh, when I see the Spurs, the Spurs have been playing better recently. And I think that Greg Popovich is the type of coach that it's like, I I smell blood in the water with the Knicks. Like the Knicks have lost three straight. I want you guys to take care of this and and there should be a win against a team that's sliding. And then we play Indiana, who's another, you know, they're nine and 16, but they've taken a lot of heat for the way they've played this year. They have a, a bunch of guys that haven't really put it together. And they're coached by Rick Carlisle. So you think that they must be thinking this is a game that's a chance for us to get it right against this Knicks team that's not in great form. And then you go up against the Raptors with Nick Nurse, also with a 10 and 13 team. So we have three games in a row that to me are similar circumstances. These are below 500 teams, but they're very proud teams. They've got some talent and they've got really great coaches. And then, of course, um, you go to Milwaukee or you play Milwaukee and you play the Warriors. So the Knicks really need to try to take advantage of this three game stretch. Cause you know, I'm, I'm positing that maybe those teams are going to be hungry, but the Knicks should be much hungrier. And uh, this could be three straight wins. I think at worst, it should be a two and one stretch. I think if it's a one and two or they lose all these games, then we're going to have to really reevaluate some things going on with this team. Yeah. If you can go two and one over the stretch, I'd feel, I feel solid to get us back to 500. Um, but yeah, this Spurs game, the Spurs are playing pretty well. I believe they're on a three game win streak at the moment. They've been really getting into a groove. The Dante Murray is playing amazing. Um, a lot of his fans are pushing for all-star, um, all-star votes are also recommendations for him because he's having such a nice breakout season, but, um, I don't know if the, I think the game might be in San Antonio. So that's going to be a, a tough, tough matchup. I feel like we, we never played good in San Antonio, even when the Spurs, you know, weren't you know, a full-fledged, you know, top of the Western Conference team. Um, they still give us problems. And, you know, no, DeMar DeRozan isn't there anymore, but they still have a lot of great, uh, you know, young guys and on that team that can uh, shoot, uh, move around, play well, you know. Um, Kelvin Johnson and all these other kind of guys. Um, Jacob Pertle, really good center, uh, great offensive rebounder. He might give us uh, – probably going to give us a lot of trouble on the offensive glass. Mason's going to have to keep him under under control. I definitely think I'm going to be looking towards. It's definitely a matchup I'll be looking towards as well. But, you know, all around that team is – they're going to be playing well because um, they're still going to be pushing for that, that one of those playing spots in the West. And, you know, this that could be a, you know, a game that we expect to go in and win, but it's going to be tough regardless. Yeah, and one last thought is just, uh, you know, reading back uh, that, that tweet I mentioned earlier about Tibbs saying that maybe there's some more changes coming. Um, apparently, he also praised uh, Quentin Grimes' play tonight and uh, praised Deuce McBride's work ethic. 
And as we know on, on Nick's Twitter, Deuce has been crushing it in the, in the G League. Anytime he goes down there, he's been taking advantage. 25-point games, 30-point games, 10-assist games, steals, transition dunks. Um, so I'd be very, very, very intrigued if Tibbs would make a change like that, if, if we got Grimes, if we got Deuce, because, you know, this summer, with the way they played in summer league, we were thinking that they'd probably be right at the edge of the rotation. And if there was a time to give them a look in the rotation, it's with the team sliding like this with three straight losses and playing a little bit complacent. I think we could use their defense and the spark that they bring. And um, it's it's looking to me like Tibbs is going to make some kind of change. So I'm extremely curious what it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to judge the G League for the most part because a lot of players play there and that doesn't always translate to the NBA. Yeah. But you, you, you can't deny that. Um, you know, Deuce McBride is, is cooking up in the G League. Um, like you said, getting 30-point games, 10-assist games, low turnovers. Um, just playing with confidence whenever you see those highlights and watch those games is always a, a joy to see. But, you know, Tibbs, I believe, like you said, he tries to keep the rotation to like a nine-man rotation, but he's probably going to have to get Grimes or McBride or some kind of defensive energy, some kind of young guys in there to kind of, you know, give the Knicks a, some kind of, you know, burst or, you know, confidence and just to go out there and play with some momentum. Um, Don't be shocked if it's two minutes left in the first quarter and you see Wayne Seldon at the scores table. I'm not even Man, if I have to kidding. watch Wayne, <laughs> Wayne Seldon minutes, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but... Yo, uh, he, his last minute of summer league was elite. Do you remember that? We, yeah, he was, like, making those, like, reverse layups. He was, he was really up. rough. All of summer league, Thanks. it was really rough. Like he was playing some defense, but he wasn't hitting anything, and he, he didn't look like he was in the greatest shape. And I felt bad for him because I really liked him as a prospect years ago. And you know, he played with the Grizzlies and I think the Bulls, and he was pretty good as a young dude. But then, uh, the very last minute of summer league, like the last minute and forty seconds, he was throwing behind the back passes in transition, donking. That was a lot of fun. Summer league was a lot of fun. Take me back, simpler time. Yeah, summer league was fun. Wait, what if like Ken was back in rotation? It's a the lineup change, just off the bench, and he starts like IQ or something like that. I mean, I don't. It's objectively not crazy to have Kemba be part of the bench. Yeah, I think that objectively, he, I the best, best role for him, even if not on this team as like a microwave off the bench guy, but. I'm more intrigued by what like Deuce McBride could do in the rotation than to put Kemba back in, but I don't think. Um, I don't think it's like a crazy thing to to put Kemba in that bench rotation, especially if Tibbs wants to make uh, Derrick Rose the starter. Like that was your first thought potentially on what a change could be. If Derrick Rose is starting and, you know, you don't want to have Alec Burks play all these, um, all these minutes at point guard, then maybe we see Kemba in the rotation, but then we're going to find out soon and you know, we're going to track, see how it goes because Tibbs doesn't make changes often. So it's actually pretty exciting when you have something good to track something new to track that's true i mean tips could also just be talking he says like we're gonna make a change and nothing else happens so it'll definitely be interesting, interesting to see what happens uh do you want to touch on any, any other other further games coming on or do you think the the spurs game was good enough for us to cover today well i don't think that the knicks should be looking past the spurs by any means but uh, with indiana i know that karis lavert is starting to come on recently even though the team has struggled um, obviously with Indiana, you always got to worry about Malcolm Brogdon and of course, Miles Turner. That's, that's a good test for the Knicks to play another stretch big. Pirtle's not a stretch big. They don't have to worry about that. 
Um, but Toronto could pose some problems because they play a unique style with a lot of like-sized six, eight, six, nine guys. And uh, the Knicks are going to have to be active to keep them in check. So I think it's a good test for the Knicks defense over the next couple of games, next three games, and just hope they get something going offensively. Yeah, like you were saying, Miles Turner, we've been struggling with those stretch bigs, guarding them this season. Uh, definitely see what what they do against him. And I know the Raptors have been having a lot of big man issues, so hopefully we can kind of take advantage of them in the interior. I mean, Pascal Siakam's back, so he actually might give us some problems with, with um, stretchability and stretching the floor. So uh, be really interested to see what happens. Um, okay, well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Knicks Wall at the Buzzer podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Hope the Knicks can bounce back from this loss against the Nuggets, um, against the Spurs. Hopefully they can play with a lot more energy and we'll be looking forward to see what Tibbs' adjustments are from this game and how the Knicks bounce back. Thank you and have a good day.